This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Royal Blue Podcast. I'm Phil Kirkbride, and today joined by Dave Prentice and Sam Carroll as we chew the fat over all the major talking points at Goodison Park and preview the late kickoff on Saturday as the champions Manchester City visit Goodison. Um, how do we beat City? <laughs> Pray. Cross your fingers, cross your toes. To no, be honest, Norwich have done it. it it's, it's Exactly. It's only two and a half years since Everton battered City, a Pep Guardiola City, 4-0 at Goodison. Now, there's a number of things you can take a little bit of solace from. It's a Saturday tea time. It's R5. So you know the place is going to be bouncing. You know, the supporters will be well refreshed. Um, I suspect, you know, so they'll be well up for it. So that'll create a noise um, that can intimidate teams sometimes. It can, you know, so have a very, very positive influence. On the flip side to that, we'll miss uh, Andre Gomez badly. And equally, I think City were a little bit complacent down at Norwich. Uh, they just took their half the ball a little bit, um, which is why they got done. But if we can be as bold as Norwich were that day, if we can be as proactive and press as high up the pitch as Norwich did, you know, you can never rule anything out. It's 11 players against 11 players. And, you know, you look at their record and you think, oh, my God, the last team to stop uh, City scoring in the league game, it was Chelsea last December. In December, yeah. Yeah, which is, which is staggering. So you need to be absolutely on your game, get in their faces and hope that they can have an off day and then see what happens Never say never. You know, it's it, it's a big ask, obviously. It's a very, very tough ask, but never say never. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a mix of things, isn't it? Like, I think, as Norwich showed the other week, you do kind of have to take the game to them. I don't yeah. think it's like what, you know, you used to probably be able to do under Moyes and, and stuff like that when teams would come to Goodison and we kind of sit back and try and pick them off. I do think, you know, they are just that good. They'll, they'll find brave, a way yeah. through, won't they? You yeah. do, as Prem says, you've got to be brave. See what we can do. To, if you get your chances, you, you have to take them. And I think... You know, we can probably learn lessons from, from the games. You know, obviously the Koeman 4-0, but also I think the one under Allardyce when, when they came to Goodison and... and about know, 99% possession. Yeah, yeah, I think it was 100. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. And, uh, but, you know, there was, there was that kind of feeling. I think that might have been a, a later kick-off. Oh, I've airbrushed that game and, from and there was a, there was a, really But there was that, that feeling, wasn't there, you know, that they were going to come to Goodison and we were going to give them a game and they absolutely rolled us over in time. I think it was 3-0 at half-time, wasn't it? You know, so we do have to keep it tight and... I just think if the game carries on and they know they're in a in a battle and you can keep it to nil nil, you know it does only take one chance. You know, like when we beat Man United the season, we finished fourth with fakes and get balls into the box, try and get corners and free kicks and in dangerous areas. But you can tell that we this time tomorrow could be six nil already. So, so Preno, you mentioned pressing and being aggressive. Is that the right tactic, or does Marco set the team up to sit in? and frustrate City and then counter-attack? I don't think you can because they're so good at picking teams off. They're used to teams doing that, sitting in deep against them. And if you just gift them possession, you know that ultimately you know, they're going to break through. Not many teams have managed to grind out nil-nils or you know, sort of mm. kept it tight for a long time and hit City on the counter late on. I think you've got to guess at their defence, which is 
I wouldn't say vulnerable. Getatable. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that, that's the phrase I was trying to think of. Yeah, you know they've got number of players missing. You know, so injured. Uh, as has been highlighted on television many times, they are vulnerable to near post corners. Whenever teams you know have scored against them in recent weeks, you know the corner set pieces have always been like, a decent tactic. Sadly, we won about bloody fifty against Sheffield United and never looked like scoring from any. Mm. Uh, so you know that's got to be improved upon. So there are things that can be looked at, and we know how Marco Silva is absolutely finicky about his detail, how he sends all his players out, you know, with huge, not dossiers, but, you know, sort of huge to-do lists, you know, so what they need to achieve on the pitch to try and get a result. So they will be told how they can get at City. Uh, doing it's a different thing, but I, I think you've got to be bold. You've got to get at what they're one of their few weak areas, which at the moment is the back four, so or back three, however they decide to play, but, you know, get at them. So does that naturally lend itself to Dominic Calvert-Lewin keeping his place in the team? It's a difficult one, isn't it? I think probably before Sheffield United last last weekend, you, you couldn't have probably envisaged seeing the week that Calvert Loom was probably going to have, and, and you know it was it was a struggle for for Keane against Sheffield United, and obviously it's not the game that you're going to start messing around with two strikers in either. So yeah, probably would imagine Calvert Lewin uh, will keep his place, but it's the kind of game that he thrived in, especially last season when you think about. How well we've done at Goodison against you know your Arsenal's, your Chelsea's, and Manchester United as well. And what about you know City away in Cummins' second season? He had a yeah. great game. Yeah, it was, well, it was his breakout Everton performance, wasn't it? I remember seeing the team that night and thinking, bloody hell, it's not going to be a, <laughs> not going to be a good night for us. This, and I remember thinking, you know, he was absolutely amazing that night. It's still probably his finest ever hour in a, in an Everton shirt, and he played a, a key part that in that game. So. I don't know, you know, they're going to have Fernandinho centre-half, I'd imagine, and, and Calvert-Lewin is something different, and I don't think there's many players his age, and there's probably not many players in the Premier League as good at winning aerial battles as Calvert-Lewin is around the pitch, and, you know, I probably wouldn't fancy spending my Saturday night locked in a locked in Goodison Park with 40,000 Evertonians screaming at me, and Calvert-Lewin eager to win every ball, eager to, to fight for every header, so I think that... It is almost guaranteed for him to start. It'd be a surprise if if Keane did start. But I think, he, you know, you know what you're getting from Calvert-Lewin, don't you? You know he's going to give you that kind of performance. It's just, you know, whether you get that Aston Villa-type chance if it was nil-nil, if we were losing 1-0 mm-hmm. and that ball falls to him on the edge of the box, is he going to be the man to put the ball in the back of the net? But he showed in midweek that he's certainly got in his locker somewhere. There's got to be a degree of intensity about the performance tomorrow. If you think of the wins that we've had against Man City at Goodison in the not-too-distant future, uh, distant past, they've all been characterised by a really intense performance, you know, sort of getting at them and the kind of side that occasionally wilts in that atmosphere. So the fans have got to create it and the players have got to create it. And Calvert-Lewin will probably do that more effectively than Moyes Keane. Yeah. I thought the real disappointing thing about Keane was that the best moment of his Everton career so far was when he had that beautiful little turn and went through between two Sheffield United defenders and the referee who resembled Grant Mitchell and officiated like Grant Mitchell gave, gave a free kick. Mm. And I just thought that, you know, that, that just symptom, symptomatic of, you know, the way things are going for him at the moment. But he's still finding his way in the Premier League and in Everton. And so I think Calvert-Lewin understands it better. You think of his performance last season against Arsenal at Goodison when he led, led the line superbly and you know, chased and harried for everything. And he'll need to do that again. And yeah, I think he probably is much better suited than Moyes 
Kane. That's not dismissing Moyes Kane because you know there's a lot more time and things to come from him. But you know, for tomorrow night especially, yeah, I think Calvert Lewin's probably the way to go. I put this to, to Marco earlier, actually, in, in, in a in a perverse sort of way. Is City coming to Goodison straight after the Sheffield United game and the way it panned out and the fact that we finished the game and Marco said the players were nervous and, and we didn't manage to, we had all the possession and didn't do anything with it. Is actually City coming to Goodison in the next Premier League game and they'll have all the ball and we'll just have to... You know, sit off or you know wait for the mistakes and pounce and and prey on their kind of mistakes. Is that actually almost the perfect fixture in that respect, rather than us having another game at Goodison against a team we're expected to wallop, basically? It could be. I mean, uh, I know you're trying hard to paint a positive picture here, <laughs> and they're trying to think of you know some ways that we could. I don't know, bounce back from what have been two very, very depressing performances, mm. to be honest. And yeah, maybe that is the case. You know, no one needs motivating for a game like this. You know, the players are going to be up for it. Um, City will have possession and I think the supporters will expect them to have possession. Therefore, it takes a little bit of the pressure off in that respect. So it could be. Personally, I prefer that kind of scenario, but with a team maybe not quite on the level of Man City, okay. you know, like a Manchester United or an Arsenal yeah. or a Chelsea. Something that, you know, you can guess at. Because... City and the other shower, unfortunately, are on a different level to everybody mm. else in the Premier League at the moment. And if they're on their game, they're very, very difficult to get at, um, which is why Everton have got to do. But they can do. I mean, Liverpool at Goodison Park, you know, last season got a nil-nil draw and you know clearly deserved it uh, by playing, you know, in a certain way. If they could replicate that again tomorrow, who knows? You shouldn't really be as unambitious as that. But a draw at home to City probably would be a good result. Yeah, and, and look, you know. Trying to be positive in what is going to be a very, very difficult and challenging um, evening. But it isn't actually that long ago, Preno, that we were beating the top six teams. Yeah. At Goodison. You know, people maybe need to be reminded of that, yes, yeah, you know, lots of performances have, have dredged up some worrying signs. But it was only in April and March and, you know, and into May when we were turning these sides over. There was, yeah. There was a bit of momentum developing then, wasn't there? There was, you know, the, the United, the Arsenal, the Chelsea performances all coming after what had been a fairly, you know, sort of streaky run. So we know that this team is capable of doing it. And you'd argue that the squad at the moment is probably, you know, slightly stronger in some areas. Obviously, mm. Kurt Zuma's absence you know, is an issue. But, you know, Keane and Mina have done okay on occasions this season. It'll be a big, big night for them tomorrow night. Uh, you know, they really do need to, uh, you know, pull out all the stops and produce a performance that we know they're capable of doing. Uh, but if everything clicks, if everybody does put in a good performance, who knows? I'm really disappointed that Gomez isn't available. I think mm. that would have made a difference. You know, yeah. he keeps the ball so well and he finds those little chinks of space, you know, in the final third between the lines, as they say. Um, he's, a bit, he's a big loss. But then again, if you've got two holding midfielders in there, you know, it's a big night for Delphi. He'll want to prove a point, obviously. Schneiderlin, he's been disappointing for me on occasions this season. But, you know, a big opportunity for him to prove he can do it. You know, we'll have to wait and see. Um, just uh, uh, slightly off tangent, Sam. Pro mentioned um, strange refereeing decisions from the game against Sheffield United. Have you understood or any close understanding how Bernard got a yellow card? <laughs> Bernard and then the Moist Keane one as well, wasn't yeah. it? Bernard probably. got a yellow for being pushed over, didn't he? I know. He? Yeah. I think the FA are probably going to review that and give Bernard a five-game ban or something. <laughs> I just don't think you could uh, get away with doing that in the mm, Premier League. Indeed. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Everton obviously go into the uh, 
one of the toughest challenges the Premier League can throw up on the back of a much-needed victory, Sam, uh, on Tuesday night. 2-0 win over Sheffield Wednesday in the League Cup. Um, what, what was your what was your reflections on 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 that win and 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 that wasn't a great performance, you know? But I guess it was a case of job done. Yeah, I think it was job done. I think it was a it was a vital result, not a vital performance, wasn't it? You know, important to get through to the next round. And you know, as much as that Sheffield United defeat still lingers now and probably will linger unless we get a result tomorrow or, or at least at the very least a positive performance. You know, our, our name's still in the hat and, and it was a pretty professional performance. I thought going into it, I think you wrote something similar. It did have a kind of feeling of Millwall last season. We weren't on a great run. You know, we went. It was pretty uninspired and, and rough night for Marco Silva and, and for Everton. But, you know, we, we put the game to bed pretty pretty early on in the first half, didn't we? So, yeah, it was good. And then I think the the draw as well, watching that draw kind of unfold through the night and... You know, there's more Premier League teams that are going to go out in that next round. Four, four isn't it? Four, four yeah. Premier League yeah. ties. You know, a couple of big names facing off against each other, and you know, cup draws have been pretty unkind to Everton over the last few years. But you know, if you if you can't put Watford to bed at home, then mm. you, you obviously you don't deserve to be in the competition, and, and we won't be. But you know, you win that game, and you've got to start thinking that it's a pretty serious cup run. And I just think once you get to these latter stages. Anything can happen, and I also think it, it builds that little bit of momentum, doesn't it? You know, if we're winning these games in the cup, hopefully, you know, it, it gives you a little bit more in in the league as well. But definitely now, confident of of hopefully progressing. I've seen league cup runs save seasons so many times in the past and yeah. develop momentum and confidence. It could be argued it kept Howard Kendall in a job. I don't believe that because you know Phil Carter was always adamant that you know Howard had his full backing. Uh, but, you know, everyone talks about Oxford and what happened that night. You know, but League Cup runs have definitely, you know, sort of kept the supporters on side for a long time in the past. And this, fingers crossed, will be one of those occasions again. Because, uh, yeah, if Everton can get past Watford, then you're absolutely right, Sam. You know, you've, you've got to be thinking you've got to put, you know, a struggling, you know, sort of Premier League team who's just changed managers, you know, sort of bed at home. And are they going to be? Full, are they going to come full strength? Well, that as well. You know, so... so you're looking at quite. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but you're looking at a quarter-final draw there, where there's a 50-50 chance of getting the lower division team. Yeah. You know, with Crawley and Colchester drawing each other, and was it Sunderland and Oxford or whatever. Yeah, so whatever. Yeah, yeah. You know, so drawing each other. So you know, Oxford in the quarter-finals. How great would that be? <laughs> <laughs> God, I'm bringing back memories already. Yeah, I think of that you should do it. I think you want it the other way round, though, don't you? I'd rather play a pretty decent team in the quarters, one leg, at Goodison, get them at Goodison, and then you. Want like uh, a or something maybe, the I don't yeah. think we can be too picky with we, that. We, we can't know. There's such a, an emo- hotels in London. <laughs> su- such an emotional <laughs> resonance to that Oxford night. Uh, you know, it, it was incredible. So, yeah, let's not get ahead of ourselves. You know, cup runs can be massive. Uh, Marco Silva needs one to be honest. And you know, the draw. I was watching it unfold myself and thinking, oh gosh, there's a lot of big teams still left in this. Yeah. And so, you know, Watford. Yeah, delighted with that. At Goodison as well. That always helps. Uh, so who knows the, the later you get in the competition as well though what you've got to think about is it almost works backwards in the League Cup the further on you know your cities and your Liverpools and that then I've got the Premier League the Champions League starts coming back you know you give yourself the, the greater chance then because they are even if you know you are playing a City or a Liverpool who, who are a rival in the Premier League they, they will probably play a, a weakened squad and you, you do just give yourself that chance don't you and I, I think that's what Everton haven't, haven't done over the last couple of years but 
it's exciting, isn't it? It's exciting to, to have but, a prospect. But when are the semis this year? Is it January, not December? They tend to be January, though. Yeah, because you know December is an absolutely hellish month, you know, for for Liverpool and Manchester City with you know the fixture pileups that they have. So. Yeah, but let's not get ahead of ourselves. Yes, quite. <laughs> Cup runs are very nice and very important and we need one at the moment. Indeed, we do. Um, something probably a little bit sort of right now in front of us. What's your thoughts on... on it's us two results, the reaction, obviously, of the supporters, some of the supporters um, either leaving early or, or booing uh, after the game, naturally has cranked up the pressure on Marco. But how much pressure really is on him? Because I'm sure, like me, you two have been asked by different people, non-Evertonians, all week, same questions come up. How much pressure is he under? Yeah. Funnily enough, I was asked by Premier League Productions to do a piece at lunchtime today with uh, Kelly, Cates and Ian Rice, who are looking to do exactly that kind of thing ahead of the City game. Is he under pressure and should he be under pressure? I think Alan Kirby was asked the question first and he said, well, yes, he is and yes, he should be. Um, I think he should be. You know, in terms of the way the results have gone, and I think he accepts that. I think he knows that. You know, He's manager of Everton. Exactly, scrutiny is on him, but I don't think he is under pressure. Certainly, in terms of losing his job. Yeah. Farhad Mashiri really pushed the boat out to land him from Watford. You know, you think of the issues that caused. You know, so he wanted him badly as a manager, and so he retains his faith. And I think it was February this year where he was asked the question, and he talked about it being a long-term project. And what was the phrase he used? He said, in this business, you have to have a cruel head or something Steady like that. Steady hand or something. Steady hand, yeah. 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 And uh, unlike, you know, he had when he brought in Sam Allardyce. Uh, but well, maybe yeah. he's learned from that experience. Quite, yeah. I don't think he wants to be seen as a, an owner who hires and fires. You know, I think he wants to be seen as a steady hand at the tiller. And uh, I think Marcus Silva will be given time to prove himself. Maybe not the kind of time that managers used to get, which for me was always three seasons. You get three seasons. If things aren't going well after that, you know, you need to make a change. Um, and it's a it's a project, isn't it? You know, we've, the transfer strategy has been completely turned around now and we're buying players. We've got long-term value to the football club who are younger players who will develop hopefully in time. And you've got to allow a manager time to let those players develop. You can't sign youngsters like Moise Keane and, you know, Jean-Philippe Gabamin and, uh, other younger players and say, yeah, well, they haven't developed as quickly as we hoped. You're on your way. You've got to allow them time to settle down. So I think he'll be okay, you know, unless things do go, you know, dreadfully wrong. Of course, yeah. Uh, then obviously you have to start looking at it quite seriously. But, you know, for the time being, you know, yeah, you know, give the fella time to try and get his ideas into place. He's popular amongst the players. The, right, the, you know, yeah. the players, you know, sort of like the work he does with them. And that's normally a good sign that managers, you know, sort of doing things the right way. I think that's the, that's the thing, isn't it? We were talking about it. In here this week, and you know, f- for fans kind of my age, f- for a long time we only knew what one Everton manager. I think I can kind of remember Walter Smith getting sacked on teletext <laughs> when I woke up for school, <laughs> and then obviously it was it was all Moise, and and you didn't really know what it was like. And when when Martinez kind of arrived, it was quite like an alien feeling to to not have David Moise as the manager, and obviously then since since then we we've got to know what it feels like to to hire and fire. But I think barring some kind of disastrous run where we were genuinely in a relegation battle, you know, it's almost 0% that Silva would get sacked, or, or a very small percentage that Silva would get sacked this season, you know, because we do have a project in place, and, and as you said, there's kind of no point signing these players to a manager to kind of fit a system that the, the manager's kind of got in mind just to kind of throw it all out the window. But the only problem then, you know, looking further into the future, if Everton, say, didn't improve on last season's eighth place finish or slipped down a few places, then there is real pressure on him going into that kind of final year of his contract to, to achieve something 
next season in terms of you know getting us back into Europe. So, you know, I w- he's not under any pressure per se, but you know, it, it the questions do certain questions do need answering in terms of playing style and you yeah. know where where we're heading in terms of results because I just think if you go into next season and the results are all the same and you're getting beat by promoted teams and putting in poor performances away from home, then there, there will be real, real pressure. So, you know, I think he, he's got, he's in a nice position at the moment that he does have time to build and he does have the backing of, as you were saying, the players and, and the powers that be. Yeah, I think the, the problem he's got is that we live in a, an instant knee-jerk world now. Yeah. You know, so social media and the rise of social media means that opinions are heard instantly. And you do get instances like, you know, the uh, the ill-advised graffiti daubed outside Goodison Park. You know, so after after the Bournemouth game, was it? Well, at the Sheffield United, it was in the last week or yeah, so. Yeah, yeah. It was after Bournemouth, sorry, it was. You know, so Everton have lost away at Bournemouth and Silver House is being daubed outside Goodison Park. What kind of, you know, so mindset is at work there? I mean, I, I, look, I agree it's with you. It's but yeah. Yeah, and I think obviously in, in the interest of balance and trying to represent as many people as we can, there will be some people who just, don't believe in silver, regardless of yeah, yeah. what happened at, at Bournemouth or, or at Chef U. But yeah, I'm in agree, agreement with you. If you know that's that's an inst- if that's a reaction based on one result. There's a way of expressing displeasure and you know calling for a manager to be sacked after six games of a season wow. or five games of a season. I don't think that's the time to be doing this. But that's the world that we live in now. Uh, people, you know, air opinions instantly, and you know opinions can be very very extreme at times. And so he has to endure that, you know, and he will do. That's why managers are so well paid. It's why football is the popular sport that it is, you know, because mm-hmm. people have got strong opinions about it. People love it. I think for Silver, it would just be amazing tomorrow to kind of get that win, you know, and, and have that thing to kind of build on for the season. And, you know, if, if you did win tomorrow, you probably, you've had a pretty av- average start to the Premier League season, but you're in, you know, you're, you're in good shape in, in the Carabao Cup and, and it looks like you've got everything to play for. Yeah. In the season, do you know what I mean? And I think it would just be amazing to to win and, and for the fans, you know, who, who haven't had that kind of, you know, I know we had them at the back end of last season, but a, a win as well, you know, it was when we were kind of playing for, for not, and I know seventh kind of came into view for, for a few weeks, but, you know, to win tomorrow would really catapult us back into being a contender for, for the top six and for putting pressure on Chelsea and, and Manchester United. So, you know, there's... We're only seven games into the season, but there's there's a lot at stake tomorrow, and and it would certainly take so much pressure off Silver again uh, if we did win it. I think sometimes as well, you know, people are influenced by the body language of managers. Yeah, I'm not a particular advocate of this because uh, I've seen it happen so many times in the past. Walter Smith used to get it all the time, you know, so for not being uh, animated in the dugout. And when David Moyes came in, you know, he was, and you know, so people loved it, you know, so straight away. And ultimately people fall out of love with that because that's, you know, so that's the nature of people. But I think Marco sometimes, because he is so circumspect, because he, he sits there in his dugout, he, he doesn't celebrate goals wildly. Um, you know, he's, he's an analyst. He watches what's going on. He's making notes in his head all the time. But fans see that sometimes and that influences supporters as well. They perceive wrongly that there's an p- individual in the dugout there that maybe doesn't quite have the same passion for the uh, the project that they do. Um, you know, clearly Marco Silva does. We've spoken to him. We know how much he cares about what's going on at Everton Football Club. Uh, but sometimes just a little bit of a, a change of demeanour might actually help him. You know, so it might stand him in good stead with some supporters. 
Well, hopefully he's able to uh, pump his fists and celebrate a famous <laughs> victory um, tomorrow night at Goodison. We've decided to keep this podcast lean and mean, but we will obviously be back around the table uh, next week uh, reflecting on that Manchester City game. So thank you very much, chaps, for your company. Uh, thank you very much for listening. You have been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.